0: Oh, there you go. Hey, is Cody turkey hunting? Oh, is that what it was? Okay, I knew he was going turkey turkey hunting. Didn't know if that was this weekend. Well, anyways, sorry, I was just having a private conversation. You still, you know, don't, be, don't be eavesdropping on my conversations, all right? <laughs> Well, hey, we are into week number three of our series called Taking It Back. Amen. Uh, We're purposing to take back what God said belongs to us. And I don't know if you're kind of in that place that I am in life where it's just like, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm ready to experience more in this life. I don't know about you, but I'm saying, God, I know that there's more. There's more to this life. There's more that you said that's available. And so, therefore, we're going to purpose to experience that. And God says, you know, it's not a condition of whether or not uh, I've, I've, I've done something or whether I'm going to do something. He said, I've done all that I'm going to do. Now it's up to you to take back what belongs to you. Right, And we said this last week that when it comes to uh, those of us that are following Christ, the Bible says that the world or those that are apart from Christ experience a normal, a normalcy of life. And he says, but when we come into a relationship with God, there's a new normal. In other words, we said it this way, that God takes our natural, slaps his super on it, and causes our life to be supernatural. But oftentimes, what we end up doing is just living this life like the natural, everyday Joe that doesn't know God. But come on, when you know God, and you begin to have a relationship with him, it begins to cause us to have an encounter with him. It makes life look different, right? Remember, I said this, that everything about life is an encounter. You ride the roller coaster. It's an encounter. You get married. It's an encounter. You have children. It's an encounter, right? You go and you have a good meal. Man, it's an encounter. Oh, man, you know what I'm talking about. Man, you know, speaking of which, you know, the last three days, I haven't eaten hardly anything. I'm ready to have an encounter with some good food, you know what I mean? Oh, praise God. Well, hey, listen, when it comes to what we've been talking about, we said that this is the fifth week, just to remind you. That the fifth week or the last week, I should say, the last week of the month is really a message or a service that revolves around us as believers. I realize that when it comes to church, there's people that are coming and therefore there's new people that come. There's people that are searching for a relationship with Christ. But we're looking at the last Sunday just to say, we're really going to speak to the hearts of believers. Then what do we say that the first Sunday of the month is? (laughs) <laughs> oh, come on. All the hungry people said it's Donut Sunday. Well, yes, we are doing free donuts on the first Sunday. Yes. But the whole reason we're doing that is because it's what? Invite a friend. A, invite a friend bring a friend to church day. Come on. If you just bring them for the donuts, man, they'll be talking about that for the next five weeks, man. What's first Sunday? Donut day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the first Sunday is a Sunday that we just purpose to really reach those that are looking for God. And so bring somebody to church next week. But this week is a week that we can just really talk heart to heart and go deeper in God. Is that all right? How many of you want to go deeper in God? You know, the Bible says, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. And so God desires for us to have a spiritual hunger. And if you'll purpose to allow yourself to get hungry for Him, God will continue to stretch that appetite where you're saying, man, God, that's not enough. I just want more. I want to experience more. Amen? So let's experience some more tonight, or this morning. Let's have an encounter with Him. All right, so if you remember, we said this last week as well, that it says, uh, God has given us all things that pertain to life in godliness. So all things means what? All things. He's given us all things. And so when it comes to our life, today we're going to talk about taking back our joy. But joy is something that has already been given to us. And so if you're not walking in this life experiencing a life full of joy, either it's because you don't know that God gave all things including joy to you or somebody stolen your joy. Have you ever felt like somebody stole your joy? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, circumstances can steal your joy, can't they? So we're going to talk about how we're going to take back our joy. And to begin with, I want to look at a story about a man named David. He became king at this point in time. In fact, you know of this young man. He was the young man that was out in the field that was tending to his father's uh, sheep. And in the midst of being out there, he got to know God. And then in the midst of knowing God, he began to uh, have faith and confidence in him. And the Bible says that there was a bear that came, a lion that came, and he killed them both. And then one day he went to uh, take some food to his brothers. They were in battle up against the Philistines, and there was this big giant called Goliath. Anybody familiar with the story? Is that ringing a bell? Is it kind of bringing back some foggy memories of some stories you might know? Yeah, he went up against the, uh, the, the, the giant called Goliath and killed him with his slingshot in a stone and then he cut his head off, right? But then the Bible says that God made him king and everything about him becoming king was in preparation of all those years prior to. But just because he was a man that knew God, in fact, the Bible says this, that he was a man after God's own heart. That's how God spoke of him. He, David, you're a man after my own heart. But how many of you know that David was not perfect? Aren't you glad that the Bible is full of imperfect people that God was so blessed by and so uh, overjoyed with, and even called them the apple of His eye? And yet He let God down many different times. In fact, when He was king, the Bible says that He went out on His roof and He started looking across the land and saw the neighbor neighbor lady. She was out there bathing whoo, I mean, he's a guy just like any other guy, naked lady, whoo, you know, what? come on, don't shout me down just because I'm talking normal now, right, I mean, he's a guy, and he's out there, and he sees this naked l- lady over there taking the bath, he's like, whoa, she's good looking, I don't know if they had binoculars back then, but I mean, he was trying to zoom in. And he gave place in his heart to continue to look at her time and time again to where he craved her or lusted after her. And the Bible says that he ended up seducing her, had an affair with her, and felt so guilty about it that he ended up sending his, her husband off into battle knowing that he was going to be killed. And then they had a son. But the Bible tells us that God was very displeased with him and he spoke with David, actually told the prophet to go tell David, says, the son that you have with her, He's going to die. And it's because of the sin in your life that has brought about this that is going to take his life. And that's where I want to pick up. In 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 16, God had told him that your son is going to die. And it's a result of your behavior. It's a result of your sin And this is what it says in verse 16, it says, therefore, it says, David therefore pleaded with God for the child and David fasted and went and laid all night on the ground. So the Bible tells us this, that God told David, your son is going to die. But then David turns right around and begins to fast and goes into a time of prayer and lays out on the ground and did it all night long. And the Bible says that he fasted and prayed, pleaded with God for seven days. God, don't take my son. God, don't take my son. God, don't take my son. All the while knowing that God said, your son is going to die. And it wasn't that God was taking his son. It was that the sin permitted death to come. All right? So let's pick up in verse 20. So in verse 20, it says, So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Well, how did he do that? Well, the reason that he did that, or prior to that rather... As after seven days of him pleading with God and fasting and praying the Bible says that his servants came to tell him but they were afraid to tell him they were standing off on the side whispering and finally David said was the boy died? and they said yes king your son is dead he just got the news that he had been dreading he got the news that just rocked his world he took Bathsheba as his wife and now he's going to have to go tell her and her world is going to be crushed that the son that he gave her is now dead. But notice what he did. Again, David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes and went to the house of the Lord and began to worship. Can you believe that? His son just died. He just got the news and he gets up and goes and worships God. And then he goes and he, be, he has a big meal. He'd been fasting for seven days. And so his servants, and we won't read the rest for the sake of time. But his servants begin to question him and says, King, uh, we're puzzled by your behavior. Your son's dead. And he says, yes, you're right. He said, but God told me that he was going to die. He said, I pleaded with the Lord as though maybe I could change God's mind. He says, but beyond this can I change anything? Can my son come back to life? He says, I'm going to see him again. He says, but why continue to mourn beyond this point? Because God already told me. He said, I'm just going to worship God. Come on. This is David, and this is what prompted David to say in Psalm chapter 30, verse 5. It says, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor for life, uh, uh, he, his favor is for life. Weeping may, b- may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Woo! Come on, joy comes in the morning. We're talking about how do I take back my joy? Joy shows up every morning when you wake up. Joy's there. Well, I thought I had to do something to get joy. No, it just shows up. I thought I had to buy something to get joy. Nope, joy's just there. I thought I had to be in a certain kind of relationship or be with somebody in order to experience joy. No, joy shows up every morning. Amen. But what was it about David that in the midst of his difficulties, that he, he went through the hardest thing that a parent could ever experience that he, but he came out on the other side of it with joy? What is it that can knock the wind out of somebody, but yet we still have breath to sing? What is it about this life that we can cry every tear that we have to where we have no more tears to cry, but yet in the morning I can wake up with a smile on my face? It's the joy of the Lord. And the Bible says every morning joy comes and it waits for me. It waits for you. You see, it's not a matter of us having to get something in order to get joy. And that's where the normalcy of the world is. I'll go shopping. I'll find a relationship. I'll get a career. I'll do this and I'll do that. And it will bring me fulfillment and it will give me joy. But the Bible says that is just the normalcy of the world. But I give you a true joy and it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's something that you get when you're a child of God and it belongs to you. And if we're not walking in it, experiencing it, enjoying it, then either it's been taken from us or we don't know that we have it. Joy. The Bible says that it's joy unspeakable and it's full of glory. So if you allow yourself to really experience joy, the Bible says that God's presence shows up. Man, have you ever been in one of those circumstances where you're just bawling and squalling before God, heartbroken, but God shows up? I've been in those times where like, God, I'm not leaving here until you give me joy. Because right now my heart's heavy. And you just have to keep at it. Oh, God, thank you for the joy. And and here it comes. It shows, oh, yes, thank you for the joy. Because it was in there the whole time. So let's look at four things. Four things that will help us take back our joy. Now, listen, I said this is believers that I'm talking to or that I'm focusing on talking to today. And so this might be a little bit stronger for us to really hear, but this is what's going to put us over in this life, right? So what is it that I must do to take back my joy? In order to take back my joy, number one, I must have a renewed mind. Everybody say a renewed mind. mind. I must have a renewed mind. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says... And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, notice the difference. There is the world. There is the normalcy of the world that he is trying to be conformed by pressure. And then the Bible says there is my normalcy, which is being transformed. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Who, po- who proves the perfect will of God? You do. So many times we're looking to God. Okay, God, do it. And God says, you do it. You prove it. So in order for me to prove it, that means i got to put God to the test. God, you said. And if you said, that means you'll do. And if you'll do, then I expect to see it show up. Right? But how does that come? The Bible says that comes by the renewing of the mind. What is the renewing of my mind? How does my mind get renewed? The only way that my mind gets renewed is by the word of God. Amen. I said the only way that you can get your mind renewed is by the word of God. And the word of God and the renewing of your mind is the very foundation of your joy. I said, it's the foundation of your joy, and anything of success or stability has to be built on a foundation, right? Now, uh, I've been dealing with some things at my house lately. Uh, We bought an old fixer-upper house. It was built in 1971. In fact, it was a friend of mine uh, that I grew up with. It was his house he grew up in. His parents owned it. They passed away. We bought it. As a child, I always thought that his father was like the slickest MacGyver man ever. I mean, that's how I viewed him. I thought, man, this guy can do anything. He can fix anything. He can build anything. Until I bought his house. <laughs> and I found out that he wasn't MacGyver. He was Mr. Hackett. I mean, he just he did hack job after hack job. And I spent the first 10 years fixing all his hack jobs. Well, fortunately, the house was built by a contractor and the foundation was very, very secure. But he and his friend, I guess, or somebody built the garage that was attached to the to to the house. Well, the foundation has never been good. In fact, it's it's just always been kind of uh, I've had to repair it a few different times. But obviously, the foundation must not be deep enough or something because it doesn't have the stability that it needs. And over time, the garage has shifted a little bit. And therefore, my garage door no longer works. Because as the garage door starts to go up, it binds and it gets caught because it's all out of alignment. And so now I've had to manually try to lift it up. Why? Because the foundation was not stable and everything else got out of alignment and therefore the door can open properly. See, there is joy that is available to you, but without the foundation being stable, having your mind renewed, the door doesn't have the access or you don't have access to the door of joy like God wants to give you. Amen? And so the word of God, having our mind renewed, is the foundation of our joy. And without a foundation, nothing can stand. So let me just say this. When it comes to your mind being renewed, it is only renewed by knowing and reading and meditating on the Word of God. And so I'm going to say something real strong. If you don't read your Bible, your mind is not renewed. You might say, well, now, wait a minute, Pastor. I go to church all the time. And I know Scripture well, you might know Scripture, but just having a mental ascent of Scripture does not make your mind renewed. Amen. Come on. Having your mind transformed means that you have a continual diet of. Knowing God's word. What do you think David was doing when he was out in the pastures taking care of uh, of his father's sheep? He was developing a relationship with God, meditating on the scripture. And therefore, when push came to shove and he stood before the giant, he didn't go there and say, Hey, listen, I've got great armor. He says, No. He said that's the way the normal men work. That's how they operate with their brawn. Come on, let's duke it out, let's fight, let's you know, you got a sword and spear. He says, I don't come at you with sword and spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord God amen and he conquered not because of the of what he had in his hand he conquered him before he even fought him because he knew the God that he served he already had a foundation established and so the question is when it comes to our life what is God saying about your life what is God saying about our marriage What is God saying about our family? What is God saying about our finances? What is God saying uh, uh, about our physical health? Because if I know what God's saying about that, that gives me the ability to have a foundation of my mind being renewed, and then therefore I can have joy. How many of you believe that God wants you to have a successful life? All right, so now I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And, and, and if, you, if you sincerely believe that God has a desire for you to succeed in this area and have victory and have, have just uh, the utmost in these areas, I just want you to say amen, okay? You might not be used to saying amen in church, but it's okay if you say amen. Is that all right? I give you permission. So do you believe that God wants you to have the best marriage? Amen. Do you believe that God wants you to have the best family? Do you believe that God wants you to have success in your finances? Do you believe that God wants you to have success in your physical health? Amen. Amen. But here's the thing. If you truly believe that and your mind is renewed in that, it will dictate your actions. Oh, whoa. (laughs) Stop the train, man. (laughs) No, You're making it personal. Yeah. Because you see, joy isn't something that you can purchase. Joy isn't something that is going to happen that makes you feel better. Joy is something that you have to take hold of because it belongs to you. And so when it comes to your marriage, if you believe that God wants you to have a successful marriage, then you've got to stop acting foolish and start acting right. How's that, Pastor? Well, guys, the Bible says we are to love our wives. Well, you don't no, wait, he didn't, he didn't say it was conditional. <laughs> he said, if your mind is renewed, start acting it. Now, ladies, he says, now you honor and respect your husband. Well, now listen, if you if you knew my husband, I just did <laughs> Right? Now listen, wait, God didn't say it was conditional upon how you act, on how He acts. It says, you just act in honor and respect toward him. Amen. Amen. (laughs) One man that says, amen, I go on that subject, he's the loudest guy in this place. (laughs) Amen. How many of you believe that your kids, uh, that God wants your family to be awesome? Amen. Amen. Well, then stop being so fearful over your kids. Get them in church. Get them in the right environments. Protect them from the wrong ones. Well, I just want to have free range, free spirited kids. Well, that's all right. But set some boundaries. Come on. Well, we're getting in some stuff now. We won't get there. Now, I just heard you all say, I believe that God wants me to have success in my finances. Amen. I heard you. You want me to play back the recording? We record these. I I can have them do it. See, we get all loud. Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Okay, listen. If our mind is renewed and I really believe that, then it's going to affect my actions. And therefore, becoming a tither? No big deal. Because I trust God. My mind's renewed. Being a giver? Oh, not a big deal because I trust God. But wait a minute. Now, you don't know my circumstances, Pastor. No, wait a minute. I thought we said that the word of God settles it. I thought we said that we're going to allow the word of God to renew our minds that we begin to believe this report over the report of what things might present themselves before us. Amen. You know, my wife said that I was just under the weather this past week. I was. You know, it'd be real easy to say, Oh, my body hurts. Oh, that hurts. You know what I was doing? Even though I was laid up in bed. Thank you, Father, that my foot feels good. What? Yeah. Seriously. Why? Because I was picking out something that did feel good rather than the thing that did feel good. Oh, thank you, Father, that my foot feels good. Praise God. And the rest of my body's lining up. Amen. Why? Because I believe this over the report of what my body's telling me. Yes, I know I don't feel well, but I'm getting better because God's power is working on the inside of me. His word says that he died on the cross, that his body was beaten so that I don't have to be strung out for the next two weeks. Amen. I'm taking him at his word and therefore my mind is being renewed. Now, let me just say this, man. I don't know if I'll have a whole lot of time. We'll we'll get to the best of what we can today. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. See, oftentimes we're praying for stuff, praying for joy, praying for these things that we think will bring joy. But do you know that you can't even pray effectively if your mind is not renewed? Because what you'll do is you'll pray only according to how far your faith can go. And most people, what they'll do is they'll pray in accordance to God's ability rather than his will. Oh, God, please, if you can. Oh, God, please, if you can. Oh, God, please, if you can. Meaning that I know you can, but just don't know if you will. But if I know what God's Word says, then I can pray confidently, believing that what God said will come to pass. I believe my finances are turning around. I believe my body's turning around. I believe my marriage is turning around. And the old enemy will say, well, yeah, but it don't look like it. I don't care what it looks like. I believe the report of the Lord. And he says that he cares about me. He loves me. He died for me. And therefore, my kids don't have to go to hell because God said he cares about me. Amen. Amen. Am I doing anybody any good this morning? I said you can't pray effectively if your mind is not renewed. You know, the Bible says over in first John, it says, now this is the confidence that we have that if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So let me say it this way. If I know that he hears, then I know that I have. It's just that simple. Let me give you the Scripture again. Now, this is the confidence that I have in Him that if I ask anything according to His will, how do I know His will? His Word. And if I ask according to His will, then I know that He hears me. And if I know that He hears me, then I know that I have the things that I've asked of Him. So once again, God hearing is equivalent to me having. Oh, God, you heard! Now I have. But here's what oftentimes what we'll do again is that we'll pray to God according to His ability rather than His will. Because see, God only moves in accordance to our faith. And if all you do is pray in according to His ability, not His desire, God just sits up there and says, I can't do anything yet. I can't do anything yet. Well, God, I know you can, but yes, There's more to it. I have a will in the matter. And until you know my will to where your mind is renewed to understand my will, I can't do anything because I'm moved by your faith. Are you here this morning? You doing all right with that? All right. So let's taking it back. Taking it back. We said that we got to have a renewed mind. Number two, if I'm going to take it back, not only do I have to have a renewed mind, but my renewed mind has to have a praise. What is my praise? If I believe that once God heard that I have, then man, I ought to get excited. Woo, right? What am I getting excited for? Because God said He heard, and if He heard, then that means I have. Well, when's it going to show up? Oh, it's already on its way. I already have it, praise God. Amen. But how many of you know that there's going to be times that there there might be resistance that comes? Well, what are you going to do until it shows up? I'm going to praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Praise you. Right? But here's what we end up doing. When all that we know is that God can, all's we do is plead, 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 plead. Or please, 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 please. Come on, are you here this morning? But if I know more than just God is able but that he's willing then what I end up doing is I don't go to God saying oh please 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 God I go to God in prayer but then I praise 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 ha <laughs> thank you lord Thank you that my body's coming back to health. Thank you that my finances are lining up. Oh, God, I might have been stupid with that, but God, I thank you. You're giving me wisdom. You're helping bringing me out of that. I ah, thank you, Lord, you're helping me never do that again. Oh, God, I know that I was a bonehead in my marriage. Oh, God, help me walk in this love relationship with my spouse. Come on. I begin to give God praise as a result of my mind being renewed. A re- renewed mind with your praise will allow you to keep at it when resistance comes. I said, when your mind is renewed and it connects with your praise, it will allow you to keep at it when resistance comes. And let me tell you, resistance will come. Because when you're believing God for your marriage, you know the old enemy is going to get in there and start pushing the buttons. You remember what she said. You remember what he did. Well, he did it again. Well, she said it again. She never, right? You've got to keep at it. And your praise will keep you on the side of having joy. Amen? Amen. Number three. To take back my joy, not only do I have to have a renewed mind, not only do I have to have a praise But when I have a renewed mind with praise, it will cause me to have peace. Everybody say peace. You see, peace will triumph in every situation. Peace is the safest place to be. Come on, you know when you get the doctor's report and your mind starts going squirrely. Oh, dear God. Oh, my. I never dreamt. Or you get the report from the bank or whatever else it might be. You get the call from the principal or the police call and they tell you about your child or where they found your kid or whatever it might be. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? But when you can be settled in what God said, there can be peace. And peace is the safest place to be. Because if not in the place of peace, you'll try to do in the arm of the flesh and try to fix and rectify. And God says, listen, I don't need your help. I just need your faith. I just need your faith. And the expression of your faith is joy, is praise. Notice what it says here in Isaiah. Isaiah ch- chapter 55 verse 12. It says, for you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills sh- shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Once again, notice what it says. You'll be led out with Joy, or, excuse me, let out with peace. Which brings me to number four. Number four, in order to take back my joy, I've got to be intentional. And if you'll notice there in Isaiah 55, it says, They shall go out with joy. So if I'm going out with joy, that must mean I already have it. And if I'm going out with joy, that must mean I have to be intentional. Come on. If you're going to go out in joy, you're going to have to be intentional to stir it up. Amen. You're going to have to purpose to stir up joy. You shall go out with joy. And notice what it says. That peace follows joy. See, you can't have peace if you don't have joy. Because peace, as I said, follow joy. Joy is a choice. If you remember, David went out and worshiped. Not ready, guys. Hold on. Thank you. <laughs> Worship team says, all right, you've preached long enough. We're <laughs> thank you. You guys always do an awesome job. But just give me a minute. The Bible says with David that David After he got the worst news, he went to the house of the Lord and worshipped. He worshipped. To try to express what joy looks like is difficult. Obviously, there's a countenance. There's a look. But how many of you know that you can have a smile on your face and still be tormented? So to try to define joy as a physical attribute is difficult. But let me just take the other side of the coin. When you're worrying, where there's worry, there is no joy. When you're in fear, fearing about the situation and the circumstances, there's not joy. When you're being offended by what somebody said or did... There's no joy. When you continue to carry that unforgiveness, that bitterness in your heart, there's no joy and therefore peace cannot lead your life when worry is taking its place. When fear is in its place. You see, all those things, worry, fear, offense, unforgiveness, those are choices by which you act and by what you take. And if you'll choose to take those, you cannot function or experience joy. When it comes to your marriage, choose not to be offended. Choose to walk in forgiveness, and it will lead you to joy. When it comes to your finances and, and you're standing with the back against the wall and you're saying, God, I know what your word says, but, and there's this fear that tries to grab hold of you and you say, God, I don't know if I can trust you. That's in the midst of, God, I will not fear. I'm going to trust you at your word. And that's when joy can show up. When your kids feel like they're lost and you're thinking, God, if I could only take the place for my kids, And you're constantly worried. The Bible says cast your cares on him. Cast your child. Call him by name. God, I give you my son. I give you my daughter. And I refuse to worry. Now don't get that confused because people will oftentimes think that worry is something that is of a good quality. Well, I'm supposed to worry about my kid. No, you're not. Give it to God. For he says, I care about your child. And I'll take care of him. So how do we stir it up? How do I take up joy? I said your actions through a renewed mind will cause that to be. It says, you shall go out with joy. When you leave this place, choose to go out with joy well he sure preached longer than I expected (laughs) now come on you're choosing to take on something else when you go to the restaurant well they're taking forever to get my meal no take joy tomorrow morning when you wake up wake up taking joy Go out of bed with joy. When you look out the window and you say, oh, dear God, it's rainy and it's cloudy. No, it's daytime. The sun is up. Amen. Oh, I got to go to work. Oh, I hate my job. No, go out in joy. Thank you, Father, for this job. I thank you that I have an opportunity through this job to be a tither and a giver. And you're going to cause me to increase through this job. Oh, praise God. When the wife comes and complains, when the husband gripes about the food, you take on joy. Oh, thank you for that husband, for that wife that you gave me. Thank you that they're a blessing. Thank you that you give me an opportunity to serve them with joy. It's a choice. Can you say amen? When you come to church, come to church, leaving your house, going in joy. Oh, God, I'm going to have an experience with you. God, I don't care how long they preach. Oh, it's going to be ministering to my heart. God, I thank you that when they worship, oh, I get an opportunity to worship you. I do it in joy. Amen? So quickly, the review. To take back my joy, I've got to have my mind renewed. I've got a purpose to praise. I've got to choose peace. And I've got to go out in joy. Amen. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to pray for you this morning. That you will experience the fullness of the joy that is already on the inside. If you're a child of God. And I want to encourage you, give first place, give of the highest esteem, make time for the Word of God in your life, because it's His will and it's His Word and it's His voice speaking to you in every circumstance. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person that's Here this morning for those that are listening online, I pray for them right now that, Lord, you'd begin to renew their minds, help them have a hunger and a desire to know you, to know you face to face, to know you by your word, to know you by your presence. And God, I thank you that, Lord, the joy that you've given them that resides on the inside of them, that they'll learn to stir it up, that they will learn to dig it out, and that every day they would purpose to live life going out with joy. And that as they do, they will be led in peace. And therefore, God, we will have this life that you meant for us to experience because, God, we choose to take it back. In Jesus' name, and we all said, Amen. Amen. Amen.